Hey, what's good? Torin here. Well, if you haven't noticed, it's been a couple weeks since we uploaded. That's entirely my fault. You see, I queue these episodes up a few days ahead of time, and I do that instead of doing it a few weeks ahead of time, because sometimes we have an interview that I really want to get out there quickly. Like when non-autism mom and autistic typing were gracious enough to come on our podcast, they have a book on sale, I want to get that out quickly. This week's episode, I thought I uploaded last week, but I checked over the weekend, no upload. So here's last week's episode this week. I apologize for the delay. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, one more thing. This week's episode, we got a little spicy with our takes. It's a little bit of political stuff. Um, I really sort of take the piss at uh, certain parts of the country. So if you're not down for that, feel free to skip this. But You've been warned. And we are live, back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns, and as usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage herself, Mama Baden. How are you? I am good, and the sun is shining, but I will say I was a little disappointed today. It was 54 degrees. That doesn't make me happy. 54 degrees in Virginia isn't getting anywhere near that low where I am. I'm way further north than you. Yeah, it was a little chilly for me. So fall is coming, which is I can't wait. I know. I hate the summer so much. I'm big. I'm a heavy set dude. I sweat a lot. Like summer is not my friend. Thank God I live in the Northeast. That's so funny. All right. I'm excited about today's topic, though. I mean, I know always I'm excited, but I am always excited. And so what are we talking about today, Torin? Well, today I want to talk about, since it's time to head back to school, mm-hmm. and I want to do an episode on how to prepare for going back to school, and you told me absolutely not, because it was so infuriating that you would not be able to get through an episode without ranting. So we decided to do a sort of debate or survey, if you will, on homeschooling versus special ed versus mm-hmm. inclusion, mm-hmm. because those are sort of the three main options that parents have who have autistic children. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's also public school, but <laughs> if you can avoid public school, you probably should. <laughs> um, especially if you live in America, I'm just being honest. Like, I went to public school. It wasn't good. So we're focusing on the big three. So homeschooling, which has become very popular, mm-hmm. especially since the pandemic. Special ed, which sort of the old school, mm-hmm. for no pun intended, mm-hmm. method. And inclusion, which sort of the new hot thing that everybody wants to do. So... Just talk about those, talk about their strengths and weaknesses, what could be better for your kids, what could be worse, yada, yada, yada. Just have a general discussion about that and probably go on a rant at some point. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I don't know. Should I start? I have a few thoughts. Let's go. This is the first episode we've had in a while that hasn't had a guest. Oh, it is. It and which was, wasn't intentional. It's just we had a lot of guests lined up over the last few months. Mm-hmm. So... The last, I think, like four or five episodes that have gone up on the feed have been like guest episodes. Yes. So it's it's almost like we got we're a little bit rusty. We're used to like introducing somebody now, but I like these solo episodes. I do too. I like our discussions. So I will. Um, I'd like to sort of start with a little bit of lived experience, um, history around educating our kiddos who are autistic. And the only reason I want to do that is because I find that I'm usually the oldest person (laughs) at the table lately because I haven't retired and 
Um, I have worked 35 plus years within the education system in different positions. So when I started, it was the special education in the room down the hall that nobody went down, kids ate in their classroom, it was segregated schools, um, and like anything else, there are pros and cons, and I think I might have mentioned this before, um, there are pros and cons to that, right? So what I saw with that system that was set up was, yeah, we didn't really have inclusive environment um but all the kids got what they needed every day all day right every day all day because everyone was in one place with all of the resources now fast forward to let's bring kids to the cafeteria let's bring kids to pe i mean i was in that movement right when they were like introducing wheelchairs in the hallway and Oh my gosh, what are the children going to think about wheelchair? Okay, we've all moved past that and gotten over that, right? So fast forward, there was a big push for by parents for having their children at their home school with their other siblings or just for the convenience purposes. And so then we had what we called the mainstream setting and how we were going to accommodate for that. And so that was where they had kids go to school. They were in their self-contained classroom. They went to the cafeteria, PE, field trips, all of those things. And it was great, right? Everybody got to see everybody. Everybody got a chance to engage and in, in, in whatever it is that people think we're supposed to be doing at school. And everybody got what they needed. Then it was decided that that wasn't enough. And all children with an IEP needed to go to their homeschool and they had a right to go to their homeschool and get their services at their homeschool. Now, in concept, great. Love the idea, right? Less stress for parents, one parent-teacher conference place to go, everyone goes to the same place. Love it, love it, love it. The problem with that is no one considered the fact that when all of the children were in one place, we had speech, OT, PT every day, all day. I mean, every day, every day, the kids had access to their therapies and their resources. Well, when you scatter children to their home schools, now the therapists have to spend half of their day driving. So that means we don't get services every day. That means now we get services twice a week, once a week, sometimes on a consult. So now we have everyone in an inclusive setting. Everybody feels good about themselves but our children are not getting what they need because everyone is spread out. And we have inclusion being insisted upon and teachers are not trained. Uh, the first grade teacher went to school to teach first grade because she knew she did not want to teach children with special needs because she knew that wasn't her thing. Now she has eight kids, three kids with autism in her classroom. She has to follow an IEP. That's not what she went to school for. Wait, in, in, in what school does a first grade teacher have only eight kids in her class? No, no, no. Eight children with an IEP. Oh, I was going to say. Yes. yes. Eight with an IEP. Because so, I was like, eight? You mean like 40? I love the idea of the concept, right? Inclusion, everyone, blah, 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 blah. However, there's also the practical part of it, but there's also the human nature of teachers choose the degree, the certification, based on what they know their strengths are. 
I do not want to teach kindergarten. Don't. I do not. That will not work for me. I prefer teaching children who have learning communication differences. So that's what I went to school for. So we have placed children in situations that make us all feel good, but teachers aren't supported, children aren't supported, but everybody feels good, right? And no one's really concerned about the learning. Well, that's a problem for me. And so now we are in a situation where all of this has happened. Parents are realizing, okay, wait a minute, um, this inclusion is not working. So now parents are fighting for self-contained. And they can't get their kids in a self-contained classroom because now everyone says we all have to be included. Even schools are not even like a lot of charter systems. You're not even able to get your charter um, to run your school if you don't do full inclusion. And that's a problem because that does not support the needs of all of the students. And now parents are pushing back on it and finding it hard to get that small group setting. And they're turning to homeschool, which is a great option, but not something that everyone can do. So that is my little history of lived experience, not a research article, not this is what someone said, not this is what I read. This is my journey over 35 years and what I've seen. And I, I'm glad we're having this discussion because we need to look at the big picture and we need to go back to child-centered and child-centered means it could be inclusion it could be self-contained or special ed or resource you know they took away resource which is a great great system um or homeschool uh so with that said what are your thoughts Karen? Ooh, where do i begin first i agree with everything you said I've been in two out of three. So I've been in, I've had some time in homeschooling, kind of, I'll get to that in a second, and a whole lot of special ed. I don't believe I've ever been in inclusion. The reason I say I don't believe is because I, I move schools a lot, a whole lot. And I've been so many and a lot of times for not very long that I don't quite remember everything. So maybe I have, I don't believe I have. So I'll speak to the first two uh, first. Homeschooling. I spent about a year in what you call homeschool, where I was being taught by New York Board of Ed certified teachers. They'd come to my house. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it wouldn't even be in my apartment. It would be like in libraries and public parks because my apartment wasn't a great place to be ever. I'm not going to go into that, but y'all, if you follow this podcast, you know what you know what it is. Um, and the reason I was in homeschooling is normally they do that for like a few weeks to someone who like broke their leg or something. Mm -hmm. They can't get into the school. For me, it's I just couldn't, they couldn't find a school placement for me because yeah. I was classified wrong and I kept dropping out of school, basically. I just refused to go. Mm -hmm. And if you're wondering, like, how, how did a 13-year-old refuse to go? Well, when your dad spends most of his time um, undergoing Xanny naps, mm -hmm. you don't really have anybody telling you you have to go to school. Yes. So I just wouldn't go because the school sucked. So it took about a year to find a placement. So my whole, what would have been like ninth grade, my first year of high school, mm -hmm. I was being home instructed. It's called home Got instructed it. versus homeschooling per se. But it was instruction of Board of Ed certified stuff mm -hmm. in a non-school setting. Got it. So sometimes we'd spend time in like lobbies of schools, of like actual mm -hmm. public schools, we'd be in the lobby learning. So sometimes it kind of literally was in a school. And that was, I loved it because it was individualized. I 
uh, I had some good tutors who understood like sensory stuff. They didn't have words for that back then because sensory only got invented like five years ago. Mm -hmm. But they understood like when I needed a break and I get a lot of work done, like two or three hours. So it wasn't like the whole school setting where you had to sit for six hours and do classes you didn't want to do and have gym and all that stuff. We didn't have to do any of that. I didn't have to deal with other kids. I was very antisocial. I still kind of am. So I loved it. Most of my experience is special ed. Because before that and after that, I was in special ed. I've been in special ed mostly from the time I was three. I started in preschool to the time I graduated high school. So it's after that home instruction, I went to an actual high school. It was special ed high school, but it was still high school. And it was okay. Education was standard board of ed stuff. The New York Board of Education, pretty crappy. But the education was okay. Some of the teachers were great. So normal school. Some of the teachers were great. Some of them were awful. Um... I made some friends, I guess, because everyone talks about you need to be able to socialize. That's what they told me at the time. You need to be able to socialize. You need to be able to socialize. Being in special ed is not socializing. When everybody around you is on the spectrum or has some other neurodiversity, you're not learning how to socialize in a neurotypical way. Mm -hmm. And that's important. It's the reason I kind of do advocate for inclusion for higher, okay, I hate to say this, higher functioning individuals. So autistic people who can handle it or with a little bit of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little bit of support, they could handle it because so, that, I'm sorry to cut you off, because that experience of being around quote unquote normal kids and learning the normal rules are invaluable. Because for me, I never learned them. I had to learn them on the fly in college and needless to say that sucked. No, no, that makes sense. So what I'm hearing, Torin, is you're saying that based on the child's individual needs, pick the placement. Inclusion works for some kids, doesn't work for other kids, right? I don't know if that necessarily has to do with the level of, I mean, I know we don't do levels, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with the levels of functioning. I think that this discussion is based on the fact that you and I are noticing School is no longer child-centered. It's no longer about what the children need. It's no longer about the children. It's about test scores. It's about the teachers um, wanting to look good on paper because the schools put pressure on them. It's about whose school has the best report card. It's about covering um, you know, whatever it is that people are doing that they're not supposed to do. It's no longer about children learning. It's no longer about that. It used to be about that, but it's no longer about that. And I'll tell you, I remember when the shift happened. And I remember when they said, we now have no child left behind. And I said, that is going to be the death of education for children with special needs, all children, but specifically children who have learning differences. And that is because they then decided everyone, everyone should be college bound. What the hell? Whether you have a diagnosis, learning disability, learning difference, everyone it's not college bound. You can have the most intellectual, great student. They're not college material. It's not for them, right? So this, this thing about standardized testing and college and everyone should be able to excel and be a doctor. No, we don't need everyone to be a doctor. We need different kinds of learners and different kinds of brains and different kinds of talents, right? To make the world go around. So back to your special education experience and um 
the homebound, uh, well, in Louisiana, we used to call it homebound when you have someone come to your home. I guess for me, it's, it's really not about which one is the best. It's which one fits the child the best. And, and sometimes you have two different kids that are autistic in your household. One thrives in an inclusive setting. The other needs to be homeschooled. And that can be for various reasons, right? It can be for sensory overload. It can be because that particular child doesn't have the right supports in place. You know, everybody has a different teacher. Um, and so I think that my concern is how do we get back to deciding what is the best for that particular child? Is it inclusion? Is it homeschool? Is it special education classrooms? Um, and that's the dilemma for parents, right? The dilemma for parents is what to decide. I, I, I want to, to, I want to touch on the, the inclusive, the inclusive setting. I'm not anti-inclusion. <laughs> I have to put that clause. I am pro whatever's best for the child, right? If they only need to come to school for three hours and they can get all their stuff done and go home, let them come to school for three hours and get all their stuff and go home. We don't need to waste time with fluff, standing in line, all those other things, right? The, the problem right now with the inclusive setting is the majority of states follow Common Core. Common Core is not good for a lot. I thought of that got repealed in most of the states. Some states because it got repealed in New York, that I know because I was working in, in schools when when it got repealed. Yes, but you know what they do? They still follow Common Core curriculum similarity. They just don't have it under Common Core. That's what that's what they do. Because um, Texas is not following Common Core, but yeah, Texas never their, followed Common their Core. standards are aligned with common core. The only reason they do that is to have autonomy. That's it. But they're doing the same thing. And I'm not saying I don't understand the concept of common core. Um, my understanding of common core was the problem we were having in the education system was that children move a lot now, right? It's a different world we live in. And so children were coming like from Virginia and they're in third grade, but like Virginia standards were different than Texas standards. And so they, they're in, they went through second grade, but they learned different stuff than the kid in another state. Right. You're, you're putting it in a much nicer way than I would have put it. I would, I, yes, I would have put it the same. I would have said the same thing, but how I would put it is what was happening is there were parts of the country, mostly in the South that were teaching kids bullshit or not teaching them at all. So you had kids from more enlightened parts of the country. I don't care. I'm just going to say how I feel no. more enlightened parts of the country that could somewhat read by third grade mm -hmm. and then you had kids coming from alabama who were in fifth grade who couldn't read yes. because they were being taught and they were being taught things like slavery was the third most important cause of the war no i'm sorry that was texas that yeah. said that oh yes. and here's a fun fact about texas while i'm at it they sort of dictate how all the textbooks in the whole region go so texas says slavery is third leading cause of the civil war the whole South is getting textbooks saying that. I just want I want to mention that. So you're saying it much nicer than me. And we'll get to that because that is actually, it, it's a political thing, which I love. Thanks for opening the door for that. But actually is important. But I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just, we're just having a discussion. And I I think for me, my, my pushback on inclusion is because 
everyone wants it, but no one knows what it's supposed to look like. And no one's making sure supports are in place. So they're pushing for inclusion, but no, it's like, it's like, oh, I'm going to get into college. Yeah, I got into college and you don't have any money to pay for it. You just got into college and you're excited about getting oh, into college. Oh, I'm getting into that too. Oh, so, I'm about to get into that too. Don't worry. So it's really just frustrating. And I, I know that, you know, it's not always about the money. I don't think that money solves education problems. It is helpful in hiring staff that is very beneficial in solving a lot of our issues, but it's not about needing stuff in the classroom. That's not what is necessary. Wait, are you implying that throwing money down a black hole isn't the best way to deal with rampant systemic corruption? I think that might be what I'm trying to imply. It sounds about what I'm aligned with. <laughs> That's un-American. Stacey, I will have you know that is un-American because nothing is more American than throwing billions of dollars down a black hole to solve systemic corruption. I know, and that's what we do. That's what we do. So my concern is that we have a lot of children sitting in classrooms and they're not being taught properly and they're not learning because no one knows what to do, but everyone loves that they're in an inclusive setting. And so, um, you know, I struggle with that. I struggle with that. Um, I like the balance of small group setting and kids going back and forth, right? So let's say you need support here and you go to the resource room to work in a quiet space or whatever it is that you need for your supports. It looks different for every kid because I saw the benefits of that. And I, I think for me, it's because I was on, I was on the, you know, I guess people, the terminology on the ground floor, but I was in the schools when we were doing these, these, these resource pullout and you could see children learning and thriving and teachers felt supported and less overwhelmed. But now we're in a situation where teachers are not supported. They're overwhelmed. Children are not supported and it's all political. And so lots of families have chosen homeschool. Now I love homeschool um, because homeschool is a way to meet the individual needs of the kiddo. And I just think it's great. <laughs> you just got to hope they never have a need to socialize. Well, this is the thing. Just because you homeschool doesn't mean you're sitting at home all day. You know, socializing, lots of children have cousins, siblings. You're not sitting in a corner, never leaving your house. And homeschool doesn't take seven, eight hours a day. It doesn't. You have a whole rest of the day to go to the park. You can join up for Taekwondo, take your kids to swimming classes. I don't know. Maybe meet a friend, a neighbor. And I know nobody wants to get together anymore because everyone just is in their own little bubble. But find other people to hang out with with your kids. That is where socialization comes in because the reality of it is there is no socializing at school anymore. There's no recess. There's no PE. There's no art. There's no music. You have to test into art and music now. You don't even get to learn art unless you've like tested into it, which is ludicrous to me. Children are having silent lunches. So I don't know where children are socializing because it's sit, 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 quiet, quiet, quiet. And I ask this question every time I'm in an IEP when they push back on me about homeschool. Can you tell me how many minutes of the day that they will benefit from socializing? Look at the schedule and tell me. We know we have 20. So you're saying that this child needs to be tortured and traumatized for seven hours to get 45 minutes of socializing where no one's going to support their needs. No one's going to make sure their AAC device is on the playground or in the cafeteria, but it makes everyone feel better about themselves. 
Now, Torin, I'm going to end this rant, <laughs> which it's become a rant, with you are a very unique individual in terms of you were able to, for lack of a better term, survive your home situation and go and learn by watching others. Not a lot of children are able to do that and pick up on the social cues. If they could, we would stick all autistic children in an inclusive setting and no one would have social skill issues. They would just learn from others. It doesn't work that way. I mean, Wait, just really? I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic. I know I'm sarcastic in that a, a lot, but I'm not legitimately not being sarcastic. Like, it does really? Not. No, it does not. Oh. No, it does not. That sucks. It does not. It does not. That's, yeah, that's basically how I did. I just copied people. And like I said, I was very unprepared once because I went away to college because of the mm -hmm. aforementioned crappy home life. Mm -hmm. So I went away to school, which I could not afford. <laughs> and took I'm, like I'm in more debt to Vladimir Putin than Donald Trump is. Like I'm in the P tape. Like if you look at the P tape, like I'm in the corner with a camera film. <laughs> like when Trump's getting peed on by a Russian hooker, I'm in the corner filming it with a camera. Like that's me. That's your boy. Because I owe that much money to Putin just so I could go the way to college. But what happened is new I went so far away, like five hundred miles away, still in the same state. New York's a big state. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between central New York, which is kinda like the South, only cold. It's more like the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Not really like South, it's like the Midwest, so cold, very kind of rural, more conservative, smaller towns versus where I grew up, which is Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And that was that that was a culture shock and people act differently there and i wasn't special ed and i had to learn all that stuff on the fly and it was very difficult i almost got kicked out of school on at least one occasion yada 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 and i'm going to get to all that because this is why i'm a bit this sounds bad but your analogy of the so 20 minutes of socializing for seven hours of torture it's not that i'm in support of that but i do think certain kids in the long run, it might be worth putting, making them a little uncomfortable, especially by the time they hit high school, to get them prepared for the quote-unquote real world, because the real world is cool. Unless you, you come from a very affluent area and a very affluent family where you can sort of use your money to insulate the child, if you're at all middle class or below like I was, like I was just straight poor, there, 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 there is no... There, there's no there's no bubble wrap. There's no shielding. You have to just learn to adapt, especially if you don't have a skill to market values. Like if you're not good at tech or you're not an academic genius, like I'm not, like I'm neither. So I do, but I'm going to get to all that. But I do want to go back to what you're talking about Common Core and stuff. To, no discussion about this can be complete without understanding how we got here. So here's the brief cliff notes. In the late 90s, I believe, a, a cabal of U.S. congressmen on both sides of the aisle uh, met with some banks and decided that they're going to make college affordable by making it so banks have to give out loans to students who can't afford it. Now, no bank in their right mind will give 40 grand to an 18-year-old. So what the bank said is, we need to be secured against this. They said, fine, we're going to make it so those 18-year-olds can't default. So then what you started to have was a system of 18-year-olds signing off, I was one of those 18-year-olds, on a amount of money they couldn't really comprehend because when you're 18 and you're, especially if you come from a working class family, you've yeah. never seen that much money in your life. 
mm-hmm. signing off on that money because you were told allow you to have a better life. So once that was in place, you started seeing something like No Child Left Behind, which came in during like the era of the Patriot Act and stuff like that, which changed everything to be standardized testing based. Mm-hmm. And also allowed a lot of advancement of kids who just were not ready to go to the next grade. And standardized test companies make so much money off of it. I'm getting to that too. So yes, there's a lot of money in that too. And And what they did was they basically changed the education to, you need to score this well on tests so you can go to college. And by go to college, I mean, take out these loans you can't default on because we made a deal with the banks. Yes. So that's how you ended up with that. You then moved to... This was under President Bush. So the college thing was that that bill, the the no default, was led by current President Joe Biden. The no child left behind was Republican President George Bush. Common Core was Democratic President Obama. Just so you know, so this is both sides of the aisle. This is a one side of the aisle thing. Obama's ideas, we've already said, was there are people in parts of the country that are learning shit from the 1800s. We want to make everything standardized. So they're all getting the same decent education. It's a good idea, but if you know how anything works, when something's standardized by the government, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. What happened is a series of textbook companies, and I know this because I was a journalism major in college, and one of my reports was on this, so I had to actually do a little investigative journalist for a cl- journalism for a class. A textbook, a series of textbook companies led by Pearson, who were the biggest, yep. basically made a deal with Congress to basically say, for this new Common Core thing, you need to make it so all the testing require is made by us and requires our books to pass. Yep. And by doing that, it guaranteed that no one was actually going to learn anything because it wasn't about learning. It was about making sure Pearson, in particular, made a shitload of money off this. Yep. And what they did was they told the federal government, Obama's government, told federal states, you either adopt Common Core, we're not going to give you federal funding. Mm-hmm. So most states cave because most states rely on federal funding. Yeah. Texas did not because Texas like gets a stiffy off being independent. They'd rather not have federal money and rather just not their rather have like their power grid just not work. Of course. Of they're course. cool with having 300 people die because they got four inches of snow. They're cool with that and accepting federal money. So they didn't accept Common Core because they wanted to continue to say that slavery had nothing to do with the Civil War. So now you had parts of the country like Texas and other parts of the country learning a standardized set of academics that taught things in such a weird way that adults couldn't help their kids, Mm -hmm. for example. Like, I was in the school system at that time as one of my jobs as a tutor, and I couldn't help kids, even in, like, first, second grade, because I'm like, the way they asked math problems, the idea was to get you to think creatively, which is great, but all it did was make it convoluted. That's all it did. So we couldn't, we often couldn't help. And while that while, while that was good in theory, it just caused a whole bunch of issues. New York, I believe, has since repealed Common Core. Mm-hmm. But as you as you mentioned, a lot of states still sort of mimic it. So that's where we're at. We're at a system where there's a lot of money and there's a lot of uh, intercourse, for lack of a better word, going on between politicians and textbook companies. Yes. The reason I need to bring that up, as dark as that is, is because no discussion about how we fix things can happen without understanding like how to get so bad in the first place. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there, there, uh, there's your cliff notes. So yeah. the, the U.S. education system's in bad, bad shape. And this is this goes to public schools. Charter schools are a little different, but charter schools have their own uh, kettle of fish issues. So as you mentioned, sometimes they don't get a charter unless they have inclusion. 
Uh, in some states, charters are very last, lax. I, I have a bit of a lisp, so I have an issue with the, with the X sounds. Um, I believe in Florida, I could be wrong, their standards are very loose in terms of what counts as an education in a charter school. New York, for example, is a bit more strict. If for New Yorkers, if any of my listeners have kids in New York, charter schools are the way to go. You can get you can get a voucher. So the public school funding that your tax dollars pay for, you can get a voucher to go to charter schools. The charter schools, especially in New York City, are pretty good in my opinion. I've had a lot of kids work with a lot of kids from charter school compared to the public schools. Significant improvement. Other parts of the country, you're on your own. You have to do your own research. Because mm-hmm. I, I I can't tell you, I don't I don't live there. I have no idea, but I have not heard great things. So that's where we're at. Homeschooling obviously has its problems where, oh, to get back to what you were saying, which sort of sets up what I was going to say anyway, the biggest issue with homeschooling is you don't quite get that natural socialization, I call it, where a natural association versus what I call forced socialization, Mm -hmm. where you're like thrown in a club for the express purpose of socializing. No, you're not thrown in a club for, for socializing. A lot of people do do that, though. But but it's a, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's it's not the way it's supposed to be. But no. that that no. a lot of times that's the reality. Unfortunately, I'm a big fan of natural socialization. So just like how you talk to people who you work with, or you talk to people at school, for example, yeah. and you make friends at school. I'm a big fan of that. I do think there's a lot of value in that. What mm-hmm. concerns me is, like you said, the 20 minutes of socialization versus the seven hours of torture. Yeah, and not everybody wants to socialize. You know, you are a you are a, a a very unique individual, and you're, you know, the even if we take off the you know, I mean, we can't separate the autism. But if we if we don't even acknowledge that you're an autistic individual, the fact that you have been able to do the things you've been able to do in your life, considering your circumstances in your home are unbelievable and phenomenal, right? So you are an anomaly in terms of you can like get in this. I'm not saying you haven't had bumps and crashes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there are so many people who cannot do that, whether they're autistic or not. So when you think about the social part, you are also someone that, you know, you and I can like, Hey, it's 11 o'clock at night. You want to get on zoom and chat? Not everybody wants to do that, right? A lot of people who are autistic are like, I oh, really just want to sit here and like create my Legos. The and thing I'm is, though, I didn't want to do that originally anyway. And maybe it's just because it's 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 from the outside looking in. I don't feel like there's anything particularly like phenomenal or anything about me. It's more just need based. I, there was a lot of stuff. I wasn't very social. I didn't want to make friends when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I had no choice. I was thrown into a school. And mm-hmm. I quickly realized that having some basis of social skills, I'm not good socially. Like, I can't talk. Like, I have friends that can, like, sell guns to the end, like, can sell guns to, like, anti-gun activists. <laughs> like, sell bats to a baseball team. Sell bats to Louisville Slugger. I know mm-hmm. people can do that. I can't do that stuff. But mm-hmm. some base social skills I learned once I was in school is just sort of a necessity if I want to meet my goals. It's the time my goals were to get the hell out of my living circumstances. Your motivation drove you to want to put yourself in a situation where you were forced to be challenged. I have no problem with that, Torian. But I I didn't choose to go to school. I I didn't want to. I had no choice. I was thrown into high school, into a special ed high school where I was forced to socialize. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to either. I loved homeschooling because I I never had friends up to that point. Yeah. And 
I loved it. I did love it. And I was kind of forced to socialize. I was forced to, especially because the school I went to, they put a big emphasis on socializing where they forced you to socialize. They would have, they had something called friendship day, which they did on Valentine's day because the school had, I believe like five to one boy to girl ratio. So like no one had Valentine's, almost no one did. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want like most of us to feel bad about the fact that we had no game. So like, we're going to make this friendship game. We had to do like literal like team building exercise. If any of y'all have ever started a job and had to do those dumb team building exercises, team building we had exercise. to, I was shocked when I started working as an adult because I thought that was just something my school did, those dumbass team building stuff. Turns out that's a general thing. So when mm -hmm. I got to the adult world, I was like, oh shit, I got to do this stuff again. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we had to do a lot of team building stuff and we have to socialize people we just straight didn't like. Mm -hmm. and i hate it so i'm not saying like it was i'm not saying that it was the best thing i'm not saying that it was something i really was looking forward to because i wasn't and i didn't have a bunch of friends in high school i had like a couple people who i actually still talk to today because those are the people who could tolerate my my sort of very abrasive sort of personality i do mm -hmm. a very I, i'm the abrasive the, the drama queen yada 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 i'll admit that but having some base social skills and then going away to college and having to learn how to act neurotypical, at least to some extent. Mm -hmm. And that was a rough experience. I've, I've gotten some issues. Some I, I drank way more than I should. Like, not like normal college students. Like, I legitimately had like an alcohol problem. Mm -hmm. um, almost got kicked out of school for it. For not, for, for stuff, for, for fighting that related to drinking, not for the drinking and some other stuff that I'm not going to go into. And, but, that stuff was invaluable because it taught me skills. It taught me how to strike up conversations with people. And those are so huge if you want to get places, especially if you want to self-advocate. Mm -hmm. You have to have some ability to communicate, some ability to express yourself and to get people to vibe with what you're laying down. You have to. And I know that sounds like, like gatekeeping, and I apologize for that, but you have to. Because sometimes, sometimes, as a parent, you're not always going to be there to do it for your kids. Mm -hmm. They have to be able to do it for themselves. And you learn all that through, I don't, I just don't think you can learn that when you're at home. I, I, I personally, and maybe I'm biased, I, I'll admit that, but I just don't think, I think homeschooling is great for some kids, but I don't think you can learn that. You learn that by eating shit a little bit, by having to go to school, having to embarrass yourself, learning what to do. Because you want to know what learning how to socialize is? It's just fucking up over and over in various ways. <laughs> Learning what not to do. I've had, I have some hilarious stories. Like I once, like I once, oh God, this is awful. I once ran across a pack of cheerleaders that were performing because I, I need to get from one side of gymnasium to the other and they're performing. And I just, I was so focused on that. I didn't notice they were performing. I just ran right across them shits. My friends still break my balls open. I actually love that story. I think that's hysterical. I can it's see it incredible. now. Thank, thank God. Thank God I was so like Asperger-y, for lack of a better word, that mm -hmm. it only dawned on me years later how embarrassing it was. That would have sucked if I was like neurotypical. I would have realized in a moment how embarrassing that was. My life would have been over. Luckily, it, it took years to fully dawn on me. Who were saying I should have been embarrassed, but I just was too Asperger-y to notice. Thank God, thank, thank God for small miracles. Um, but so things like that, things about like uh if you talk shit about people, you should make sure they're not with an earshot. And I'm, I have a pretty loud voice. So earshot for me is pretty fucking wide. <laughs> I had to learn that the hard way. Um, there are people who are not autistic who have never picked up on those social skills. I know. There are people who 
think running into a field of cheerleaders is actually a great moment to be on TV. So it's really oh yeah, there are dumbasses that do that that do that in real life. That's at least at least when they do it, they're usually so high and drunk (laughs) that they don't know what I was completely sober when I did that. There are people who do that sober, Torin. There are people who just like to get, uh, like, make a ruckus. And, and I don't even know why they do that because the TV never shows it. Like, most TV networks have a policy where they won't show it, so they don't encourage it. But that's not to hear nor there. So it's basically just making mistakes and learning. And I think unless you're thrown a little bit into the deep end, mm-hmm. or maybe like mid, maybe not deep end, but kind of midway through the pool where you do have to actually swim, you can't just stand up. But I, you also won't drown. I think you yes. need that. You need I to agree. Shit. You do. I totally do. I just don't think it can happen at school. If the schools were better, and and the other thing we have to keep in mind is, Torin, when did you graduate high school? Uh, 2011, I want to say. So that was I know, how, many, how many years ago was that? 11, <laughs> 11 years ago. 11 years ago. I'm so old. Okay. So <laughs> I can tell you in the past eight to 10 years, School has changed drastically. And I can tell you that the experience that you had and the ability for you to be able to do that um, is not available. It's just different. It's so different now, Torin. It is so different now in the schools and for lots of reasons, right? Lots of reasons. So for me, I am not, I just had a meeting earlier and I was like, okay, you know, we want to challenge. I am all, you cannot grow without being challenged. I mean, I don't let my, my students that I work with not be challenged. They just need to be challenged with supports, right? And, and making sure that they know if they get in trouble, then, you know, it's not going to be like a disaster. And if I could trust that schools would offer that, I would be like, yay, let's all go to school. But when I hear children coming home with that delayed effect, they're throwing and and screaming at their parents because they've got no sensory regulation or supports for seven hours at school all day. And the parents are complaining to the school and the school says, well, we don't see anything wrong because the child's masking all day, sitting in their chair ready to explode, but they don't want to get on red so they don't get the popsicle that they're offered on their I had I had that too. They had, when I was in elementary school they my school had a point system Mm -hmm. and you got uh it was broken each hour is broken to 15 minute blocks Mm -hmm. four 15 minute blocks and you got a point if you met a certain number of criteria Mm -hmm. and you got zero if you didn't i believe at one time i set the school record for most zeros in one day and like the the like top five are all me i I don't know what it is now but back then the top five were all me like they I believe because you ended up the top you could get was like 162 points. Mm-hmm. I think I believe the time the record was like 130 something. And I think I went. I think I got like 150 something once because they they told me here's where they screwed up. They told me it's impossible to beat that 132. You can't tell me I can't do something because I'm going to do it just to prove you wrong. I blew that out the water. So and I went one day where I got nothing but zeros. What you just said is what I brought my point to, and I'm not going to say it anymore. That is a quality not a lot of people have to push that, through. That I've heard. Yeah. So I'm going to say once again, you have a skill set and, a, and a, a, the ability to do that. A lot of people don't. And I have no issues around learning in a naturalistic trial error way in terms of you, you, you make adjustments based on your peers' responses. I have no problem with that. My problem is 
kids cannot get through that and survive that if the adults in the environment are not supporting them. So this is the scenario, right? You, you have a kiddo and he is on the playground and, you know, he uh, goes in and just jumps in the game and the other kids are like, hey, 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 right? And then you're like, okay, well, wait, I'm confused. Next day, the kid goes and jumps in the game because they still don't understand the social cue of you have to either wait in the line over here, you have to like be picked or you have to ask, right? They don't know what happened before. They just know saw game, I want to play. So eventually, most kids make adjustments if they really want to play the game and they watch and figure out how the other kids got into the game, right? Most kids can figure that out. Not all kids can figure that out. And some kids say, you know what, scrap it. I guess I don't want to play the game that much. I'll go do something else. Even if the other kids yell and scream or whatever it is, they can survive the pushback from their peers and adjusting and learning the social skill adjustments along the way if you have adults who will support you during that time. It goes back to what I tell parents all the time. Children that I have seen that are, and I'm, I hate to use the word successful, right? Because that's an abstract word. It's not about, oh, you know, they went to college. Oh, you know, blah, blah. But children who have grown up and thrived and have a way to communicate and are doing something productive, whatever that looks like, they've had crappy schools, they've had really bad experiences with bullying, they've had all these things that have happened to them, but the one thing they've all had, the common denominator is a core of adults in their family that have had their back. And that makes a difference. You can handle the crap that the world gives you. If you know you have a, a front of, it doesn't, it could be your, a, a teacher, it could be your parents, it could be whoever, right? You have to have that, that something. And so my problem is that children don't have that available. And so they're thrown in with the wolves and no one is available, right? It's like, um, oh, okay. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, when you stick a three-year-old in centers with the blocks, with a bunch of kids and you say, well, they're going to have to figure out how to take turns. Really? Really? You can rely on. No, other I, 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 I completely agree with that. That's just that that's not good. But that is what you people don't learn. think. People think if you throw autistic children in with non-autistic children, they will pick up socializing communication. Without supports. Yes. And, and I say all the time, well, if that's the case, uh, nobody will be autistic because most kids go to school. Lots of kids have siblings. They should be learning and they're no longer autistic. Well, no, it doesn't work that way, right? Clearly, we know it doesn't work that way. So my, my goal, <laughs> my wish, my idealistic thinking is children need to have whatever supports they need to be in a nurturing learning environment. And I don't care if that's sitting on a freaking canoe and somebody's blowing wind in your face and they are teaching you math at the same time. Whatever works for children to have a nurturing learning environment. I am a speech therapist. I am an autism education specialist. I am whatever else hats that I wear, but I am a person who is fully on with children learning and being educated and learning should be a nurturing, supportive experience. It should not be traumatic. It shouldn't be, and especially for little children. 
Like, oh my gosh, life is hard enough just <laughs> existing and being a grown up once you get there. Now you want kids to be traumatized early. Why? Like, I, 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 I don't want people to think that I'm I know. pro. Like, I know. I'm pro traumatizing. I know. Kids. I know you're not. You're not. I'm not. No, you're one, not. One thing I do want to say it's a not quite a counter, but I do want to bring up is. I've talked about this before. There is a balance. Yes. So the final school I ended up with, I went to a whole bunch of different schools. Um, I got kicked out of that school point system, by the way, because one day, this was the day I got zero out of 100. I went zero for 162. I showed up at 1 p.m., flipped, walked my class, flipped everybody off, told the teacher to go fuck himself and went to sleep until yeah. the bell, until the final bell rang. That got me kicked out of the school. Yeah. In, in, in my defense, by then, I was just so tired of there, but I was like, 10. I was so tired of their bullshit. I was like, I like, I hope they kick me out at this point. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, by the time I landed in high school, the high school I went to, I was there from 10th to 12th grade, mm -hmm. but it ran K through 12, like a lot of special ed schools. And the children who were there K through 12, none of them ended up well. To my knowledge, none of them ended up well. And by well, I mean none of them finished school. None of them, I mean, none of them finished college. Uh, they all live, still live with their parents. And most of them can't hold down a full-time job or even a part-time job. Mm -hmm. Even though the school prided itself on being able to create functional member society. And the reason is the school coddled these people so much. They All their needs were quote-unquote met. But because bullying was pretty much not allowed at all, so they never learned any, because that's unfortunately as bad as it sounds, you learn a little bit by having consequences for not acting in a way you're supposed to. You got to learn in certain situations, you need to act a certain way or there will be negative consequences. Mm -hmm. And either you avoid those consequences or you deal with them. So you weren't yes. allowed to bully. You weren't allowed to stand up for yourself if you were, which made it worse. So you never, you, you weren't allowed to bully and you weren't allowed to learn coping skills. Mm -hmm. uh, if something was hard, they just didn't have you do it. Like, they had teachers helping kids cheat on their SATs, which, screw the SATs. So I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's awesome. But I'm just saying, like, our math teacher helped us cheat on our SAT. Mm -hmm. My math teacher boosted my grade 20 points my final my final, my final final year as a senior. He boosted all of our grades because he was such a crappy teacher that, like, he, he, he didn't blame himself. He said, we're all idiots, so I feel bad for you, so I'm going to pass you all. That's sort of school this was where it's just, like, I once during a standardized text test asked for a sandwich just because I wanted to see if they'd let me eat a sandwich, which I wasn't allowed to. And they let me eat a sandwich. Like that's sort of school this was. If you had something, they would just give it to you. They wouldn't they wouldn't push you. So the kids who were there the longest were so bitch made. And I've told a story before as well. There was a kid applying for college, the same class as us, as I was. So my homeroom. He was applying to schools and he needed a pen to fill something out because it's like 2011, so it's right before everything went electronic. And he, no one had a pen. He started crying. He started crying because he couldn't find a pen. Because he'd been there since he was in kindergarten. And he was totally bitch made because yeah. his every little whim had been essentially given to him. Mm -hmm. he, he, hadn't been, he hadn't had the experience of eating a little bit of shit, of having to know how to adapt. He didn't even know basic stuff like, I sh I'm in school. I should carry a pen with me. Because something was always provided for him. There was never a consequence for forgetting a pen, for example. Mm -hmm. There was yeah. never any of that. And it was pretty stark. The kids who weren't there very long, so people like me, other students who were there five or less years, mm -hmm. they all did well. They all went to college. A lot of them finished. A lot of them working good jobs. 
it's very distinct. The longer you are there, the mm-hmm. less likely you are to mm-hmm. have made anything of yourself. Yes. Because I, of the school's philosophy yes. of coddling people. Yes. So while I'm not for torturing, I do think there needs to be a middle ground where there of needs course. to be a, where and by eating a little shit, I mean sometimes kid can forget a pen. Well, I guess you're not going to do well on this quiz. It shouldn't be something that could affect their whole year. But on this particular quiz, you're not going to do well because you've got a pen. Mm-hmm. Then work on the kid, then work the kid on having strategies to remember a pen. But don't just give them the pen. There needs to be a consequence. You need to work with them, but there also needs to be a consequence. They understand they that they have to figure out a way. And they have to work with you to figure out a way. That's mm-hmm. how I see it, for example. Work I, with the kid, but also yeah. have some consequences. I am all about natural consequences. I am all about kids being challenged. You know, people, I, I don't know what, I don't know what people think of me and I probably don't think a lot about it, but when I talk about supporting students, when I talk about accommodating my students, when I talk about, oh, you know, so they do their home, you know, I don't care if they lay on the floor in my classroom and do their, I don't really care. I don't, I don't care how they do it. Right. To me, that is not coddling. That is ah, giving you autonomy on what works best for you. Because- oh, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I but, agree. What I mean by coddling is, oh, no, no, you no. don't have to do this. Yes. You don't have to do this paper because you're yes. finding it hard. Exactly. No, not no, we're going to find agree. a way where we can work with you so you can get it done. Exactly. We're just not going to have you do it because it's hard. Yes. And I, I totally, I think we're always on the same page, just different perspectives. And and that's what always makes our, always makes our dialogue interesting. Um, but I, I always, you have to, you can't grow and not be challenged. I mean, my students have to be challenged. I just believe in being proactive in preparing them for the challenge so that they can be as less traumatized as possible, right? Um, Because natural consequences are a part of life. And I say that all the time when I coach parents. If they, I mean, I did it with my kids. If my, I remember the school called because my son, well, first of all, my kids knew. I'm like, listen, you forget your lunch or your backpack, that's on you. And I'm not coming to school to bring it to you because guess what mama Stacy has? I have systems and routines in my house that if you forget to bring your backpack, that's on you, not on me. I have a hook. I got visuals. I got routines. So if you as the child do not get your backpack, I'm not responsible for that. Your mother, I told the boys, I have put things in place that there's no reason you should not have the things that you need, right? I'm very organized when it comes to parenting in my household and my run it probably like a freaking classroom. Exactly, but the key to that is you have systems in place that they shouldn't forget it. So if they do, it's clearly their own fault. Exactly, exactly. Like figure out a system, not my problem, figure out a freaking system. That's it. That doesn't work. So when the school calls and says, oh, well, such and such left his reading folder, I'm like, okay. Well, can you bring it? Uh, no. Well, you know, he won't. I said, what happens? What is the consequence when children don't bring their reading folder that is supposed to be signed by their parent? Well, you know, they have to sit on the wall at recess. Well, I guess he'll be getting the consequence of sitting on the wall for recess. That's it. We didn't even have consequences. You know how many times I've quote unquote forgot my stuff because I just didn't do my homework? Because I knew I knew there would be little consequences if I forgot it. But if I strip admitted I forgot my homework, then I'd actually get in trouble. So yeah, I just forgot like I just forget it. Yeah. Though I will say we had a pretty cool teacher who said if you can come up with a legitimate excuse, like a really good excuse, like I'll let you slide, but it has mm-hmm. to be creative. Yeah. So like dog ate my homework's not creative. Like it has to be something I haven't heard before. Yeah. And it has to be really creative. And if it's good, and most of them he didn't set, but like if it's really good, I'll let you yeah. get away with it. 
So at least you got it. to work on your creative, your, your ability to bullshit, which is another skill set you kind of need go. in the real world. There you go. That is it. And I have not mastered that skill set. And I'm oh, me either. That's that's the one thing I wish I could be better at. It's just like sort of bullshitting and like for lack of a for, for a slang term game. Game is usually applied to like being able to talk to women. Yeah. But game in general is good for like being able to like sell stuff and being able mm-hmm. to sell yourself and being able to convince other people if you have like a vision to hop on board. I have a friend who's very good at that and I suck at it. Like people who kind of follow me just because they have to listen to me ramble about various stuff and they're like, that rambling sounds cool. I I, I guess I'm down for it. My friend, he can make you, he's like freaking Steve Jobs. He can make you buy into anything. Ah, got it. I was just saying earlier today, I was like, God, if I could just like be dishonest, manipulative, and BS people, I could actually have a lot of money. But not even like dishonest, you just have like so much confidence in your stuff and be able to like exude, be able to sell that. Like I said, I have friends, like I have one friend who's so good that he just, just yesterday, this happened yesterday, he convinced, he does something like this every week. He mm-hmm. convinced an actress to, to be interested in a role of a script he's writing mm-hmm. that has no funding Mm-hmm. And no prospects of getting funded anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And this actress is hitting him up, being like, oh, I'm interested in the role. I'd like to get to know you. Mm-hmm. By the way, this man has basically what can best be described as like a harem. That like follows him around. Very impressive. So that's what, not the harem, but like I wish definitely I had more of an ability to sort of get people to not so much follow me, but sort of buy into some of my ideas. Well, that takes, you know, for people to do that, you have to, you have to buy into it yourself and you have to dim you have to exude that and people will feel it. And oh yeah. I have no self-confidence. See, one of the downsides about not having any sports growing up and basically <laughs> just like having to like grit and gut my way through life is I have absolutely no self-esteem whatsoever. Because when you've been called a retard your entire life, like you start internalizing that shit, whether you like it or not. It sucks. Well, see, it's just that's it why I don't like the inclusion setting because people do that to kids and then they have a self-esteem issue and don't think that they are wonderful. But um, I think we're winding down. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. We should we should probably we we should probably wind this down. We're trying to keep this the length of a long trip to the bathroom. Yes. So I will I will I will make my closing final statements. And right now in my Stacy idealistic world for wonderful autistic kiddos, and of course, you know, I'm not saying I don't love teens and adults, but we're talking about school. And so when I think of what I would like, I would love for the entire education system to be revamped so that everyone could just go to school based on whatever their strengths were and we just all develop job skills so that we can do what we need to do and if you need to go to college for your job you go to college for your job if you don't you learn your skill set and you go but i don't think that's going to happen while i'm still here um but what i would say is when it comes to school inclusion self-contained special education resource room special class i mean special school just for autistic kids or homeschooling I think that it ultimately goes, it ultimately is a decision based on the individual needs of the child, the family dynamics, and of course, 
what resources you have available. Now, a lot of parents and families are moving where the resources are better because they're not going to be able to get the resources they need um, in the place they live. And some people are not willing to do that for various reasons. And I'm not saying not willing as it's, it's a bad thing. I'm saying that everybody has a different priority list. Exactly. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, I always want the kids to be a priority because I think kids should be a priority. But, but I know seriously, if you live in Texas, you should probably get the hell out of it. Everyone's priority list is different. And so my, my wish, um, my uh, dream is that children are educated in whatever way works for them and nurtures and fosters the gifts that they have so that they can give back to community using those gifts and talents. That is what I would like. And I don't care if it's on a swing in a swimming pool under the bridge. I don't care where it is, um, whatever works for that kiddo. Um, so that's my two cents, three cents, five cents on what do we do? What placement is the best placement? Because parents ask me that all the time. What's the best placement? I'm like, it just depends on where you are in the kid. Inclusion is not for everyone. Inclusion is not for everyone who's not autistic. For children who don't have an IEP, inclusion is not working. It's not working. Exactly. But I can tell you what's not the best placement, public school. (laughs) I'm I'm just going to be straight up, like public school. That's That's a very blanket statement. And I stick by that blanket statement. Public school is not the answer. If you can, if there is any way you can avoid putting your kid in public school, I don't care where you live, unless you live in freaking Beverly Hills, if you can avoid putting your kid in public school, you could, you should, you definitely should. Yes. It, it will be worth it. I can, I, I can tell you, I can give you that blanket statement straight up. But Stacy, oh, I respect that, and as a public school educator, I could never support private schools. I'm not saying I'm against private schools. But um, I can never send my children to private schools. As someone uh, who's worked with both, that soured me so much. Seeing the kids, I worked after school, and we had some kids from public schools, some kids from charter schools, and seeing the difference in, and this was in the South Bronx, this wasn't like an affluent area, mm-hmm. but seeing the difference, this would be the last thing I say, seeing the difference between the academic prowess of the public school kids versus the charter school kids at the exact same age level, we're talking about possibly a year and a half difference. My second graders from the, from the we had second graders from an all-girls school could all read. The mm-hmm. second graders from the public school in the South Bronx couldn't read yet. Mm-hmm. Like, not like kind of could read, couldn't read, straight up could not read. Yes. That is the story. We're talking about two, three years different, two mm-hmm. or three years different in education. That soured me, the public school, so much. Yep. So, yes, I'm biased, but seeing yes. the, the difference literally compared in front of me mm-hmm. and seeing how the girls, for example, from the all-girls school or the boys from the charter schools, how much more confidence they had in their knowledge of academics versus the girls and the boys from the public school, it was so stark. It just, yeah. But, Stacy, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism you just threw me for a loop because i actually had a comment to that <laughs> just like, wow. well, make the comment then. it's not like this there's not like a law saying if i do the outro we immediately I know, right well it's our podcast we can do whatever the hell we want to do um actually i was gonna say that you know i totally totally understand your perspective i totally get it believe me Um, And there are some good public schools out there. Um, You know, I'd like to think that where I worked, I had a great team that I worked with. But I also will say that I went to school. I mean, I went to, to, I participated in extracurricular activities. 
with lots of people in New Orleans that went to, you know, Catholic school is a big deal in, in New Orleans. And, you know, it's amazing how their school was supposed to be so much better than the public school I went to. And when I look on Facebook and see what all the Catholic school girls are doing, I'm not real impressed at all with what they're doing. And when I look at the public school where I went and what we are doing, I'm pretty impressed. So I just want to throw that out there. But also school is very different than when I went to school. Um, so I guess I will finish with listeners. Um, consider your options and advocate for what your kiddo needs um, in terms of what the best placement is and go out and help us shift the narrative on everything autism, because that's what we're trying to do so that we don't have to have these rants. We want to get to a point where we have less complaints about education for our autistic students and more, oh my gosh, this is so awesome what's happening in the school. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> See ya. Uh...